Hey, DNVR listeners, we're excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. StravaCraft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible, so check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all-natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code DNVR2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast live from the Avalanche's training facility. As I raise my voice so y'all can hear me, I'm Nathan Rudolph with AJ Hayfley as always. And if you're watching live, I'm sure you've noticed that we have a special guest and Connor Timmons on the pod with us today. Connor, thanks for coming on. I hope you're doing well. I hope practice was good. Yeah, it was. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Glad to have you on. We're just going to talk to you kind of about how you got here to today. So AJ, if you want to jump in and start us off here. Yeah, we're uh, we're not going to waste a whole lot of time, uh, you know. So we're just gonna we're gonna get right into it. We wanna we wanna talk to you kind of about this journey that you've been on. You know, it's been it's been kind of a crazy story the last couple of years for you. You know, you were you were drafted at the top of the second round and you know, was you and Kale McCarr, a lot of expectations and you guys both were having really strong D plus one years and then showed up at WJC's on Team Canada together. First of all, what what was it like at WJC's to play with a fellow Avs prospect like that together at times? Yeah, that was probably one of the best experiences of my life to date. Um, and then to have Kale there with me, it was just really comforting, having a f- friendly face in the room and someone you can kind of go through things with. And uh, it was nice to kind of just build some chemistry. So uh, hopefully one day we could join up here. You know, you guys obviously uh, had a very successful run that year with the gold medal and the two the two of you. Um, named the what was like the the three like best players from team canada during the tournament and to you guys kind of monopolized that yeah i thought uh first of all kale was great in that tournament he really showed his offensive upside with with limited opportunity really and uh just to to be on the ice with someone like that it was pretty special and um the whole tournament for myself and him was just a really special experience you ended up picking up the gold medal winning assist in that final game this is a couple years ago now but I'm sure that's a moment that stuck with you and was that kind of one of the highlights of your career so far yeah for sure that's that's something I'll never forget that night was uh one of the best nights of my life and obviously I'm trying to trying to build on that it was it was a great moment in my career but I want to keep moving forward and uh build on that for sure yeah kind of moving on to the next steps of that year for you you went to sue or went back to sue for the rest of the year and and really had one of your best regular seasons in juniors that year. 
kind of walk us through the process of, of your growth coming off of that. Yeah, obviously after that tournament, you have a lot of confidence coming from playing the best players in the world at your age group. So to go back to junior, you don't really want to have a letdown. You want to kind of keep building on that. And uh, I just try to really build on my game, build on my offense, and, and really help our team because we had a really strong team in the Sioux that year, and uh, we we're definitely going for a run there. You know, that run, you know, unfortunately did end a little a little sooner than you guys would have liked. You know, I'd like to I'd like to unfortunately delve into some of this. You know, I'm sure it was inevitable. Uh, but it, you know, the the hit that that gave you that concussion. I mean, you did come back in that game, and so you know, when did you really start to feel the effects of it? Yeah, I didn't really start to feel the effects of that till till the the following uh, morning. Um, that that rest of that night, I felt fine. I, I was tested, went through all the right protocols, and it was fine to go back into the game. Um, and then later that morning, the next morning, I started to feel it. So um, the Sioux did a, did a good job. They they did everything they could for me, and uh, uh, yeah, that was just what happened. It was, so it was the next day, yeah. and then what? You just wake up and you're feeling cloudy, or? Yeah, yeah. The next day just didn't feel right. Um, had a few, had a bit of a headache. Neck was tight, and just knew something was wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's you're not supposed to wake up like that. Right? Yeah, no, typically not. Yeah, so you, you I mean that that starts your okay, something's wrong, you know, and then so you go into the team and they tell you, hey, you have a concussion. Yeah, that was pretty much how it went. Uh, next next morning, went to the trainer, told him what was up. He just said, knew I had a concussion. We went through all the all the testing and the protocols and. Uh, realized I wasn't ready to play and so that rules you out for the rest of their run you know and that it unfortunately did end a little soon and then you get into summer and it just doesn't get better yeah I think for the first first couple of weeks um, we just tried to try to rest up and get back into some exercise uh, some light exercise and obviously it, the symptoms kind of hung around and so I came up to Colorado and we started going through some some treatment and stuff and uh Obviously, we know what happened. It was a long, long year and a half, and symptoms kind of just were nagging at me and uh, wouldn't go away, but I'm feeling a lot better now. You know, this was an organization with a little bit of history going through some concussion issues. You know, they had Joey Hishon in the past and Jesse Winchester. Um, you know, what what gave you the confidence in them that they, they you know, with, with such an unknown field with the concussions and everybody – they're so different and recovery is different for everybody. What kind of gave you the confidence that they had a handle on it? I really respect the the organization for what they did for me. They really wanted to make sure I was ready and I, I knew they had my best interests at heart. And for me, they, they gave me all the resources I needed to get better. They gave me all the time. So um, I just really trusted them from the get-go. And Matt Sokolowski kind of spearheaded the whole thing and he's been really great for me for this. What kind of resources did they provide for you? Just uh, different variations of treatment. I, I went and saw quite a few doctors, different uh, PTs, and just tried a bunch of different things till we found something that worked. Were the effects fairly consistent as far as in the beginning of, of dealing with the concussion, or was it kind of an evolving process that it would be better some days, worse others? Yeah, obviously with that, you can't you can't tell how each day is going to go. Some days I'd wake up feeling pretty good, and other days I wouldn't wouldn't really want to leave my room. So um, there, there was bad days and good days, but I think what we were looking for was just gradual progress, and um, as that started to come, obviously you feel a little more hopeful and kind of start feeling better each day. When When did you start to feel like those signs of progress were really starting to show up 
It was hard to say just because it was so gradual. Um, I think there's just certain days where you look back on other days and think, wow, I think, wow, I feel a lot better than I did a month ago or a couple weeks ago. So I think it was just kind of gradual day-to-day things where you're, th- where you're thinking, wow, I feel a little better than, than I did, and you just try and build on that. Was Obviously, going into it, I'm sure you weren't expecting it to take as long as it did, but when did you start to realize that this was something a little bit more serious? Yeah, probably a couple months in, I, I started started to realize that this was going to take some time and I was going to need some pretty extensive treatment, but um, you never really know. It could be a couple months and then a week later you feel better, so I just try to take it day by day and worry about getting better every day. We're going to take a quick break for this first segment of this interview, and it's time to tell you about a new alternative in Colorado for addressing your tax needs. Symbiotax, an administrative, provides an honest and knowledgeable tax service by a licensed professional for small businesses and busy families in Colorado. You guys know we're all about taking care of our own, and the guys over at Symbio are a proud DNVR subscriber and diehard Colorado sports fans, so it's even more of a reason not to go to one of those real ta- retail tax chains. You receive a free consultation so that you can make an informed decision based on your particular situation. Symbio has literally saved people tens of thousands of dollars with their expertise. Reach out to Symbio Tax today for your free consultation from a qualified tax professional and make an informed decision. Call 720-366-4470 or use symbiotax.com. That's S-Y-M-B-I-O-tax.com. Second segment of the DNVR Avalanche podcast interviewing Connor Timmons here, and we are presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes, and you can use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. You know, the the season last year started to approach and it became obvious you weren't quite ready. How difficult was that for you, you know, knowing you're supposed to be starting your pro career here and you just can't get quite right? Yeah, it was definitely a weird feeling. Um, probably for the past 15 years prior to that, it was the same cycle, hockey season, summer, hockey season, summer. So to be coming up on the season and, and not being ready to play was definitely a weird feeling and then for it to be one of the most probably important seasons of my life coming up um, that made it especially tough but I just try to stay positive and work on the things I could and kind of like I said take it day to day you know it's it's kind of remarkable honestly that you were as patient as you were with it because there were signs throughout the season you know you practiced regularly you were on the ice with the guys it started to look like hey you're really making some progress here but you guys still decided to hold you out of games. Yeah, we wanted to make sure everything was was 100% ready before I came back. We didn't want to risk anything. Obviously, it seems like a long time in the year that you're missing, but you have a long career ahead of you, hopefully. So I just wanted to make sure that everything was feeling good and I could be uh, fine for the rest of my career. You know, who who helped you kind of instill that mindset? You know, did it just come naturally, that, that kind of optimistic view of, I'm going to be doing this for the next 15 years. This one year sucks, but the long run is what matters here. Yeah, it was really a group effort. I think talking with my parents, my agent, Joe, Bedsy, uh, Matt Soklosi, the whole organization was definitely on board. And that was that definitely made it a lot easier for me to know that I could sit out that year if I wasn't feeling well and, and still have an opportunity within this organization. So that was really a great feeling. And then, I mean, you're around the AHL team. They go on a playoff run. You're around an NHL team that's going on a playoff run. You know, the 
you know, Makar is having a great year at UMass. Everywhere around you, you know, those guys are on the ice and they're having a high level of success. You know, the, the competitor in you had to be had to be kind of itching and scratching to get back involved. Yeah, obviously, being around those guys, it would have been nice if I could jump in and help out. But it, it was still nice to see those guys have that success because you hang out with those guys all year. You're around them and you see how hard they work and the camaraderie in the room. So, so for them to have that success, it was actually nice to see. How was managing the travel through all of this? Because you spent a lot of time bouncing around, whether it be just from Denver to Loveland or at times going all the way back to Ontario, whether it was for treatment or, or just kind of sorting out a living situation. How did you kind of manage being here and, and having to move around like that? Yeah, it wasn't too hard. I think I just kind of stayed ready to move at all times. Um, like I said, I've been taking everything day to day for the last year and a half. So wherever I needed to be, I was ready to go there. And I, if I thought it was the best for me, then I'd, I'd be definitely open to it. So um, like I said, just trying to take things day to day and have an open mindset. Managing a lot of that season, particularly practicing alone, I imagine it would have to be a frustrating experience. But how much of that was just not being able to get on the ice with your teammates as compared to managing the symptoms? Um, I'd say it was, it was more so managing the symptoms. We tried to take things step by step, and that was kind of one of the first steps, just me skating by myself, and then kind of evolved to me skating with Sean and the injured guys, and then getting into morning skates and then practice. So it was definitely a, an evolution of that, but um, I, have, I owe a lot to Sean uh, Allard. I skated a lot with him, and I think that really helped my game in the long run because I got to work on a lot of things that I might not have had the time to in a regular season setting. So um, to be able to put in that work with him and know I'm, I'm getting better every day even though I wasn't playing, it was, uh, it was a good feeling. You know, you did miss an entire year of development, but you were on the ice with a skills coach. How did you guys kind of attack that part of developing your game even though you couldn't play in games? Yeah, we tried to make some situations as game-like as possible and work on things that were more D-specific for me. Um, I, I often gave him stuff that I'd like to work on, and he'd, he'd help me out with that. I think it was really beneficial in the long run. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've talked to a number of guys over the last year since they hired him, and every single one of them who's gone through the injury process has said that he was pivotal in, uh, in helping them get back on the ice and be ready to play when they were. Yeah, and I think one of the things that, that goes unnoticed with Sean is the effect he has off the ice as well. He's, he's such an energizing presence, and um, he's really optimistic all the time and helps guys a lot off the ice as well with their injuries and, and fighting through that. So um, he really, really goes unnoticed sometimes, but he's a huge part of this organization. So he's kind of part coach, part counselor when, when you need him to be? Yeah, pretty much. One of the knocks on you when you were drafted was your skating ability picked as more of a cerebral offensive two-way type defenseman with the ability to still skate while dealing with the symptoms is that something you tried to focus on improving yeah that's kind of been a knock on me my whole life and I've always been working pretty hard to improve that but at the same time I don't think it's ever really been a, a hindrance in my game um, but yeah if you have extra time I always try and put in work for my skating and uh, that's something I'm pretty diligent on you know, you're in an organization that emphasizes skating and everywhere you, I mean, you show up in, in training camp and you've got guys like Makar and Gerard and even Eric Johnson, you know, who it's, you know, he's a monster and he still skates the way that he does. You know, does it, 
Does it help to be in an environment that emphasizes that skill set? Yeah, for sure. And I think one of the things about the Avalanche organization is people kind of take play fast for skate fast, whereas you can play fast without really being one of the faster skaters on the ice. It's how you think the game and how you move pucks up to the forwards quick and break out quick. So I think that's something that I've always kind of strived with. And uh, yeah, so that that's really helped me in this organization and their, their systems. You know, we saw you play that first game in Anaheim. That easy, huh? I mean, you just you showed up back into the lineup, and you and Byron were together, and you guys dominated Vegas, and the two of you kind of just did whatever you wanted that day. Yeah, I think obviously playing with Bo made it a lot easier for me. We had a, a pretty good chemistry there, and he's obviously a very cerebral D and moved pucks really well and gave me a lot of time to make plays. So that really helped me coming into my first game, playing with a guy that can give me that much time with the puck. And um, I just tried to keep it simple and kind of get back to what I've been doing. But... Yeah, I never really felt like over the last year and a half I've I've lost a step. I know some people had concerns about that, but for me, I just wanted to keep playing my game and get back to the high level I was playing at. You know, one of the moments that I thought that I that I took away from that entire weekend in Anaheim, you got the puck and you left some guy in the dust and you skated right through the center of the ice. And it looked kind of like the play where you got hit. And no fear. You go into the zone you make the play, you make the pass, and that was one of the concerns, you know, because we had watched Joey Hishin, you know, who had destroyed the OHL when he played in it. And when he got back, and by his own admission, could not play the same way, could not get himself mentally to play the same kind of fearless style, especially going through the center of the ice. Your first game back, you're like halfway through that game, and you go flying down the middle of the ice. It just didn't seem to affect you at all. Yeah, I think that was one of my goals going into that first game, kind of to just focus on hockey and not really think about anything else. And we've put in the work over the past year and a half to get me to a point where I don't really have to think about that. And um, for me, that was just kind of a nice relief to, to be in that game and just be thinking about <laughs> hockey because I haven't really had that over the past couple of years, so it's been nice. Was it was it when that – because I remember coming and talking to you after that game. I talked to you and Byram, and – it just seemed like he was just having all the fun in the world, right? Like, life was easy for him. But you seemed like you were relieved, almost like, hey, I just played a hockey game. And that and that was that. Yeah, obviously, I love the game. I've stated that multiple times. And for me, it was just it was just really nice to be out there. I wasn't even really too focused on, on how I did. It was just a great feeling to be out there with the guys and having that competitiveness again. And you get into training camp. And you get into these preseason games. And, you know, I remember your first training camp, one of your first preseason games you had played with Eric Johnson. And after that game, you know, ended, he we were all filtering in to, to come and talk to you guys after the game. And EJ walking out of, the, out of the room looked at you and said, that was our best player tonight. And you were one of the last cuts that year. This year, here we are. It's the week of opening night. You're still here. You know, you haven't played a professional game. And yet you're proving that you belong. Yeah, I think for me, everyone had kind of lower expectations this year and, and expected me to maybe start in the AHL. Um, but for myself, going in, the goal was always to make this team. And uh, I think I've showed pretty well. I've improved through every game and gotten better as camps went along. So um, I'm happy with how things have went so far and hoping to stick around a little longer. 
we're going to take our last break here before we get back and ask Connor a few more questions. But you guys have to head to Infinity Park the weekend of October 5th and 6th to check out the International Women's Rugby Sevens and eat delicious international food while listening to incredible bands. Infinity Park is the only U.S. stop for this rugby series, and teams from around the world are participating, including the USA, Japan, Ireland, Russia, Brazil, Fiji, and Spain, as well as many others. This series is crucial for athletes as they prepare for the 2020 Olympics. Guys, Rugby Sevens is a physically demanding game of speed, endurance, and intensity with some of the most talented athletes in the world. If you are a sports fan of any kind, you'll be blown away and highly entertained watching these women compete. What's even better is you'll be able to enjoy this with the entire family at an incredible price. Adult passes are $20, and you receive another $5 off when you use code BSN5. Kids 12 and under are $10, and 3 and under are free for the entire weekend. Visit Infinity Park at Glendale.com for all your information and grab tickets. That's Infinity Park at Glendale.com. With this preseason being fairly deep into it at this point, getting healthy, have the steps come pretty fast and furious so far? You have the level of competition at the, the rookie tournaments, which is probably something closer to your last real competitive games played in juniors. And then stepping into preseason, the fact that you're still here through all six games, you've seen it go from pretty much AHL level competition all the way up to near NHL opening night rosters. Has that been an easy adjustment or have you really been just trying to keep up? No, I think it's been a pretty easy adjustment. I think the incline has been pretty gradual and the abs have managed my, my minutes pretty well starting in a rookie tournament and then going into some games that were kind of a little more AHL-like and then with with more of my later games being a few more NHL players in the lineup. So um, I think it was more of a, a gradual buildup um, and I think everything's been not easy, but I, I think I've managed it pretty well. Officially, officially, medically, you weren't cleared until getting into those first games. When did you start to feel like 100%? Um, I think towards the later part of the summer, I started to feel really, really good. Um, obviously, there's still some things you need to manage when you're out that long. Some things hang around. But, um, yeah, definitely towards the end of the summer, I'd say probably a little bit after development camp, I was starting to feel, feel like a, to a point where I might be able to get back into the lineup. Well, I mean, get back in the lineup you did in that, yeah. that Minnesota game, especially. You played a lot of minutes. Uh, you know, you did something borderline illegal to poor Marcus Foligno. <laughs> and, you know, you scored that goal. And, and that had to be a pretty pretty big boost for you to to perform that well against a mostly NHL lineup that they had in Minnesota that night. Yeah, I think I started off a little slow in that game, but but definitely throughout the game I felt a lot more comfortable. And towards the end of the game, I wasn't even really thinking about anything other than the fact that we were down a few goals and, and needed some offense. So um, I think that's usually when I'm at my best, when I'm thinking a little less and just playing. And so um, I kind of just let my instincts take over. And obviously we had a, a really good lineup in that night and everyone was working really hard, so um, it made it a lot easier for me. What is what is your view on you know obviously the NHL team's pretty good it's made the playoffs the last couple of years they've added a lot of depth there are a lot of expectations around here but you've also spent a lot of time with the AHL guys you know and they've got you know Cout and Bowers and some of these other guys that are coming you know do you have confidence that this is the beginning of something potentially special here yeah for sure you've kind of seen it the last two years I think my first camp I came in and 
they were just coming off that 48-point season and the expectations weren't too high. But um, now you look at the expectations coming into this year and they're definitely a lot higher. And um, obviously everyone in the organization knows we have a really strong team and, and it's even fighting for spots. It's a lot harder to get a job here. So um, I'm definitely really excited about the future of this organization. And even when you see the young talent in, in Loveland, all those guys have progressed a lot over the past summer and it's definitely going to be a really exciting few years here in Colorado. You know, you say it's a lot tougher to win a job here, and you're as close as you can possibly get. You know, what does that say to you about your performance in this preseason? Yeah, I think for myself, I've played the way I wanted to. I've been working really hard, had a, a really good off season, so um, I'm proud of how I've performed here so far. But um, there's still a ways to go, and I don't want to just make the team. I want to be an impact player wherever I am, either in Loveland or here. But um, that's that's been a goal of mine. I never really want to just fit in. I always want to have a big impact on the game. You've seen a number of players in your draft class make their NHL debuts, make NHL rosters for full seasons, even some old teammates like Rasmus Sandin also having a very strong preseason. Watching them all continue to move forward, was that kind of an extra little fire under you this preseason to really prove that you're all the way back? Yeah, for sure. You see other guys kind of that were at the same level or, or maybe a little ahead of you or a little behind you, and you see them having success at the NHL or AHL level, and um, that definitely pushes you harder. You don't really want to fall behind, but at the same time, everyone has their own their own pace and develops at their own pace. So, you know, it, you don't really focus on that. You just focus on when you're ready and where you are on your career and how you can get better. Are your expectations to focus on more of a, a the defensive side of the game? Just looking at the Avs roster, they have a Kale McCarr coming in, ran their power play last postseason. They have Sam Gerrard, who has done so as well. Or, or where do you see your role fitting in both in the NHL and the AHL? Um, to be honest, I don't really want to ever change my game. I think I've been a defensive and offensive player my whole life, and I think even being on, in a third-pairing role, I can still offer that, still play strong defense and, and jump up when I have opportunities. Obviously, those two guys are going to do a great job on the power play, and they'll uh, they'll definitely be very offensive for us and put up a lot of points. They're great players, but um, for me, I don't really want to change my game. That's what got me here, and that's what, what's got me this look, so I'm uh, – I'm looking forward to just playing my game out there. You know, how exciting is it to look at a blue line with this much talent? And especially you see, you know, you're 20. And, you know, McCarr and Gerard 20, 21. And then Bo, Bo Byram gets drafted. And the, the quartet, you know, the four of you guys are like the future of this defense. And you're pretty much here already. Yeah, I think obviously Kale and Sammy have done a great job so far, and me and Bo definitely have uh, high expectations for ourselves. So if the four of us could be in this lineup in the next year or coming years, it would be very exciting. And I think uh, all four of us are really looking forward to that and just, just trying to contribute to this team because we have a great great core, great young core, and uh, we're really looking forward to doing some big things. I mean, I don't know that it's going to take too long to go from the four of you guys contributing to the team to – you know, being in the conversation with like a Nashville for having that kind of a special defense. Yeah, that's that's definitely a goal of ours. We want to be one of the top top defenses in the league, and I think obviously still have great great older presences like like EJ and of course Kohler and NZ. So anyone uh, anyone can see that we have a, a great young group coming in, but um, we have to we have to get there first, yeah. and uh, we're just kind of. Worrying about making the team right now. You know, and Zadorov's kind of he's he's kind of an old man compared to you guys. He's 24, 25 years old, yeah. and been here for a while now. 
yeah, Aziz, Aziz's been here a while, and he's he's someone in the room we can kind of look up to, and and it offers a calming presence out there in preseason. So um, he's been really good for me. And I mean, you guys could, uh, you know, a lot of different skill sets between Z and Johnson, and then Gerard and Makar. You know, how do you think that as a group, you know, you guys all fit together, and and where would you say you guys are league wide? Um, I don't really want to comment on on how we are league wide i think we just kind of focus on ourselves as a group and how we can get better but i think everyone kind of offers their own thing and everyone has their own skill sets that will be beneficial to this team um so they've all done a great job so far they, they've been one of the one of the top d um groups the past two years in my opinion so i think uh me and bo are, are looking looking forward to joining that group if we can and um we're really excited about this young go- uh, core you wore 21 in juniors you can't wear that here. The curse of number 18 is kind of a thing around here. You moved to 20 this year. Is there any significance of that number or just what's available? Uh, not really. I think I wore 20 um, in my junior B year as a 16-year-old because I couldn't get 21 that year either. Um, I wore 21 in minor hockey and, and junior, so 20 is kind of the closest I can get to that around here. So I'll just take that. Well, and then you took 18, and you missed a year, yeah. and then you got rid of it, and now you're fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Um, they just gave me 18. I was happy to get any number I could uh, and be around the team. So, um, yeah, I'm happy with 20, and we'll see how that works. You know, we always joke about the curse of 18. You know, Jesse Winchester did have it and had the same, you know, had the same concussion issues, and then you got it, and then it was always just kind of like a running joke amongst Avs fans. Just, Somebody needs to tell him to get rid of 18, and then you come into this, this preseason – and you would change it to 20, and everybody was like, oh, well, he'll be fine now. <laughs> yeah, I never even really heard of that, to be honest. Um, obviously, when Derek Broussard came in last year, he yeah. wanted 18. So um, I, I just – they asked me what I wanted, I picked 20. But, um, yeah, I, I never even heard of that curse. But 20 is <laughs> a good number, so I'll take it. It works, it works out. It's working great for you so far. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy with it so far. Yeah, you know, you're on the – it's the verge of opening night. You know, it's you're still you're still focused on making the team one day at a time. Do you allow yourself to kind of peek forward a little bit and say you could be making your true NHL debut in a couple of days here? Um, yeah, it's it's hard not to. I think obviously when you're at the rink, you're just focused on taking each day, day as it comes and, and working working on showing what you have and, and trying to get better. But, yeah, it's hard not to peek forward. And when I'm sitting at the hotel for the rest of the day, um, you kind of let your mind wander. But... Yeah, when I'm at the rank, I'm just focused on working my hardest and uh, showing what I can bring to this team. Are you going to get a more permanent living s- situation this year? Yeah, hopefully. We'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> okay. So nothing decided yet then? No, nothing yet. Uh, just living out of the hotel for now. I'm pretty comfortable in there, so uh, we'll see what happens, yeah. All right. AJ, any final questions? I think I'm more or less all set. I appreciate you coming out and then taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I uh, appreciate it. I got one last thing, if you're willing to. In your cheesiest radio announcer voice, can you give us uh, this is Connor Timmons and you're listening to the DNVR Avalanche podcast? This is Connor Timmons and you're listening to the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Perfect. Thank you so much. <laughs> we appreciate oh, it. Thanks. All right, that's going to do it for us. I want to thank Connor once again for coming on the show. Player interviews on the podcast are definitely something I can drink to, so it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, 
We've obviously been raging about raving about things like the Strawberry Sky and the Colorado Core for a while now, but they also do have a special event coming up soon here. The big celebration of Breckenridge Brewery's 29th birthday. They're hosting the Hoot Nanny. That's going to be a big old party for them on October 5th to celebrate their birthday, and they have a ton of awesome stuff going on there. Obviously, the Breck beer, but it's also an all-day music festival with two stages, a ton of beer, games, good food, vendors, and a bunch of other stuff as well. You can go to their website, breckbrew.com slash hootnanny to get more information on the bands playing. Currently, the headline is the Disco Biscuits, and it's just going to be a great time to come out and have a few beers. So I highly recommend it. Come on out, hang out with us and the Breckenridge crew. In need of a top dog electrician? For over 35 years, Piper Electric has been the most fairly priced, dependable, and trustworthy electrical company in the Denver community. If you call 303-646-6765, they will give you the DNVR back-to-school hookup and save you 20% off your next service call. No job is too big or too small for Piper Electric. They work with the top professionalism and integrity in the biz, whether it's residential, commercial, or industrial work. Don't forget, you have to call 303-646-6765 to receive 20% off your next service call.